Hello and welcome to the North Bank Podcast, where as ever I'm joined by Steph and Chris. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. So we were going to be recording this 24 hours after we scraped through against Luton, but we decided to uh, wait and watch the Villa Man City game last night. And so we've had a further 24 hours. So I figure we might be recording a slightly different podcast tonight than we would have done last night. How are we feeling 48 hours after the event? Steph, you were there, so... And I'm still exhausted. (laughs) What time did you get home at? Uh, One o'clock. Two hours ago. (laughs) Still somewhere on the M, whatever it is. (laughs) Oh, the M1, yeah. Um, Yeah, one o'clock, but that's different. I got back at one, but... Did buzzing. I go straight to sleep? No, I was too buzzing. I was scrolling. <laughs> I was trying to eat up all the content I could and videos, trying to spot myself and do all that stuff. It was just so well, exciting. It, it was it was your standard archetypal seven goal thriller, wasn't it? Really, <laughs> the, the the stats on it paint a slightly different picture, which we will come to later. But Luton had six attempts on goal, four on target. We had 23 attempts on goal, nine on target. We had 67% of the possession. We had eight corners to their three. So, Steph, obviously you were at the game. You have to talk us through a little bit of the build-up, i.e. an away fan at Kenilworth Roads, because there aren't many of us that have had that experience. I certainly haven't. Uh, Chris, have you been to Luton? Only the airport. Only the airport, okay. Which is the only reason anyone should go to Luton. Quite right. To buy a van. <laughs> and I can say that I lived there for a year, so... Mm. So go on, Steph. What, what was it like? You, you you posted a video of like very narrow alleyways between houses and so on. It It's arguably the most old-fashioned ground I've been to. The, the only ones that I can think of that compare... I, I'd managed to get to Griffin Park, Brentford's old ground, before it closed... I went to Sutton away, Sutton United in the cup. Um, that felt very different because Sutton was more of a suburb. You were walking through sort of 1930s semi-detached houses, whereas Luton is proper terraces, like literally just fenced in. People's back garden fences suddenly turn into a football stadium. It is very, very unique. We went up to the stadium and veered a direction we thought was the right way to go. And then a a steward told us, no, you want to go down that way, down that alleyway. And I looked at my friend and said, does that look right? Are we being sent to our deaths? Is is this what's going to happen? Are we going to be mugged in a in an alleyway in Luton? It, it really did look a little bit shady, but no, it was through this very, very narrow alleyway and then up a street to the oak end uh, or the oak entrance, whatever they call it. And yeah, through through some houses and into a football stadium. <laughs> Can I just offer a little Arsenal perspective on this? Because I, I remember when, before the clock end was rebuilt, mm. there was a block of flats directly behind it. And the clock end was actually bombed during the war, which is why it didn't have a cover on it. And it was a bit of an mm. odd mishmash with corrugated iron at the back of it. And the, the flats, you'd see about, only about three or four blokes sitting at the top of the flats watching the game casually. This is back in the 70s. And you think if that were today, how many... They'd be selling tickets. There'd be like a little... Oh, there'd be yeah. someone up there selling hot dogs. I mean, it's just amazing. And we were not quite as Luton was, but Highbury was kind of nestled among terraces as well. Yeah, we kind of, of forget. Is it the, was it the West Stand has... One of the that entrances house. was was between 
two houses mm. yes. as well, wasn't it? Well, yes. Yeah. I think I'm sure there still is an entrance in it's there. It's still, the... still yeah, painted yeah. on the outside. Yeah. You know, they've still retained yeah. a lot of those features. Yeah, really good. Yeah. All right, Steph, on to the, on to the game. Uh, what's your main takeaway? Ten words off, viewer. The ending <laughs> was insane. That's it. You could just put very, 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 very to very, fill up very, ten very, words. very, very good, or do an, do a pep impression. So so good. So 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 good. Just did all did you hear Arteta afterwards? He did a so so, didn't he? He did, didn't he? Did he? He went so happy, so so happy. When he when asked about David Raya directly, but again we'll we'll come on to that. And I think that was a direct response to um, Pep bizarrely saying he wasn't going to do an Arteta and mm. comments on a VAR decision <laughs> or a refereeing decision. You know, rent free in their heads. Isn't <laughs> if, that the um, saying? If Villa are now in the title race, will um, will Pep or Arteta go the full good evening at the um, <laughs> at the weekend? <laughs> Well, we I don't see. know. Is Arteta allowed to be interviewed because he's got a ban for a touchline? A touchline ban. How bloody ridiculous <laughs> is this? Deserby ran on the pitch. Yeah, for well, against Forest. Is yeah. it? Did you? Was it you, Steph, that messaged if he took two steps back, he'd be sitting in row? No, it wasn't me. But it's so tight. Their technical yeah. area is so tight, and well, it's all ridiculous anyway. Again, no consistency. Just uh, follow the narrative. Give Arteta a kicking. So, Chris, apart from that, what was your takeaway of the game then? <laughs> well, it sort of ties in with one of the points you're going to mention later, which is my kind of... The, the, the scars I carry as an Arsenal fan going back decades about this supposed soft centre, you know, the whole Stoke away, we don't like it, Uppers, Troy Deeney, Cajones. And it stuck with me. And whenever... I see a game like this where a team is physical and right up us. I still get those that the, the kind of hives come out, and it made me realise that we're not that soft-centred team anymore. We 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 are tough. We can handle it, um, but it's going to take me a while to get used to that, as as evidenced by the flurry of texts that I was sending. But it's an you know, it's that emotional thing again. It's it's completely illogical. But when you're there reliving. Stoke 2008 that's what happens is whenever one of your players gets upended from behind you just think oh we're, we're weak we can't handle it you need to you need to toughen up now Chris come on I need to get in line I need to get with the program and toughen up with the lads because I thought they they were you know in retrospect uh, they did very well we will come to yeah our exchanges because I I have no issue with what Luton did in that game at all I think, um, is it Rob Edwards, their manager? Am I right? Am I just... mm-hmm. Yes, he, very good. It, when interviewed afterwards, he said he wanted to uh, create spells of chaos mm. because he knew that if he played, he, he allowed Arsenal control, it would have been game over long before it was. And and that's how they did it. They And, and Arsenal, you know, have to learn to contend with that. When we saw we, we were in for a difficult night, uh, obviously the people around me... We all tend to focus on our own team. And there are a few grumblings, you know, oh, we don't look up for it. You know, those scars you talk about, Chris, um, you know, uh, will we'll run deep. Um, but I actually did say at the time to, to a couple of pals I was with, I was actually, I just don't think Luton are letting us do what we want to do. I, th- I think we yes. have to, 
we have to yes. praise just yes. how good they are. This is a team that, if they lose, they don't lose by many at all. Mm-hmm. There's usually only by a goal one in goal. It. They drew with Liverpool at home. I think it's can be quite patronising to look at them and think because of their ground, because of their small budget, that you know they should almost be sort of belittled, which is ironic given that had it stayed three three or at worst we you know we come out with a defeat, everyone would have gone. No, oh, you see, typical Arsenal, soft Arsenal. But actually, the opposite is true. In the face of clear adversity, a team that had a plan and were so committed. Look, yeah, one or two individual tackles I felt perhaps could have been a bit reprimanded by the um, by the official. But I wouldn't say that it was a dirty game. You know, it wasn't, there was, it wasn't anything malicious. It's just that the tackles they went into were so fully committed that once or twice, missed time, took a player out, perhaps could have had a yellow card here and there. But they were so good that, yeah, it definitely does need sort of noting. They're, they're on to a good thing, are Luton. And look, given, given the form of some of the other teams, they'll probably stay up, I think. Going to the team news, we will come back to the first half stats and control and all of that and how Arsenal performed overall. But um, Chris, congratulations to you and to me mm-hmm. at the you know, 928th time of asking. Uh-huh. We finally managed to predict a starting eleven. So obviously no surprises, no surprises with the team news. But moving on to the game, I, I've picked out four talking points. And unfortunately, the first one is David Raya. It's the conversation nobody wants to have, but that simply won't go away. And I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to see when we pick our selections for the Villa game. I'm pretty confident all three of us have put down David Raya as the goalkeeper. Uh, I haven't, I have no idea what you two have put down, but I've put him down, and I'm pretty sure Arteta will play him as well. I'll just give That's you the key. look. Yeah, there's no, Arteta there's no two it. ways about it. Um, he was at fault for the second goal, and he was. Completely culpable for the third goal. I do believe Ben White defended that poorly as well. He just st- kept stepping back and, and stepping back and allowed Ross Barkley into the area. But they, they should never have scored from that position anyway. So he's, he's responsible for, for t- those two goals. Now, I have to say that since he's come into the team, we've had by far and away the best defensive record in the Premier League. He, ca- he came in shortly after the 2-2 against Fulham. He wasn't... He didn't play in that game. So he came out after the first international break. I think did, did, did Ramsdale have three or I think four games and then Raya's been in ever since. Henri interviewed afterwards or he was part of the, the commentary team. All he'll say is that Ramsdale made two mistakes in the Brentford game and got away with them, got lucky. Neither resulted in a goal when both chances should have resulted in a goal. Raya made two mistakes in the Luton game and they were punished by goals. So it's just luck. And that's how he, Henri was, was putting that forward as how Arteta will view it. So, Chris, what about you? Where's, mm. I mean, I don't know what we can solve here, but um, <laughs> it's, it's do, you lay, do you lay blame at his uh, feet, David Raya? Um, is the upgrade worthy of all of this? You know, he's under the microscope as much as Ramsdale is. You know, they're, they're damned, damned if they do, damned if they don't now, the pair of them. Um, what's your thoughts on the whole thing now, kind of in with hindsight on the on the Luton performance? Very quickly then on, on the Luton thing, I, I totally agree with you in that uh, I actually think he had a better chance of saving the second one with his legs 
uh, watching it, you know, and I used to be a goalie in my youth and I'm a lanky thing and I could never get down quick enough. But I was pretty good at stopping shots with my my legs if they came, particularly in that kind of awkward bit when if you fall down and the ball is further away, you've got more chance of getting to it by stretching. But when you go down and it goes underneath you, you're better off kicking it. And that's that was my first instinct when I saw him uh, do that. And I just thought, ah, and the first one was just, yeah, he came, he went. God knows what he was doing. He was just all over the place. So, yes, you can make individual errors, but I suppose it will then come down to at what point do you start taking a kind of what's your sample size and where do you start matching up stats as Arteta clearly has with Raya saying, look, he's better at this, he's better at that. And what, at what point does he stop and say, actually, this is now comparable or worse to Ramsdale? And at what point does the meritocracy, supposed meritocracy, kick in and, and Ramsdale get a chance? And I don't have an answer to that because clearly we don't know how he's operating. But the bigger picture, and we've mentioned this before, I feel is that when Ramsdale came in, to displace Leno, he was clearly better. And we there was no ambiguity. We just went, right, there's the personality. There's the guy who can, who can kick. This is an upgrade. We could see it straight away. And at the moment, there isn't that much between them. And it feels almost like we've got two number twos without having a definitive number one who we can just go, yes, clearly a number one. Two very good number twos. If you compare to Liverpool and City, the last two winners of the Premier League and their goalkeepers, Man City went from Joe Hart to Edison. I don't think anyone can argue with the upgrade in quality there. And Liverpool went from, is it was it Mignolet or was it um, Carrius to Alisson? I think Mignolet was more of a fixture. So it, either way, it doesn't matter. The, the, the upgrade to Alisson also... Worth and well, there was no conversation. Just like you said, Chris Leno to Ramsdale, there was nobody discussing or debating that. And, and Leno, nor, nor did Leno, and he went to Fulham and mm-hmm. has performed admirably there. Yeah, Steve, what about you? Where, where's your where are your thoughts on Raya? It's it's a bit like you know Chris having to train himself to watch Arsenal and accept that they don't have the soft underbelly that we used to <laughs> in that, I think we all need to accept David Raya is our number one. Regardless of the marginal gain and the difference and the emotional connection that we feel with with Ramsdale, he is our number one. Keepers will make mistakes. And yeah, I wish that it wasn't such a more talking convincing. point. Yeah, I wish he was more convincing. But then I, there were times I wish Ramsdale was more convincing. The thing I, that, that really bothers me is that it's such a talking point. Because, as you say, st- sort of statistically, I think, we've got the best defence in the league. And both keepers are part of that. And it's... I, on the one hand, you could see it as maybe a nice little distraction. Because while people are talking about that, we're, we're carrying on top of the league with with the best defence in the league we just have to do it whether January resolves anything we shall see I think it's also quite telling that last week Alisson's out of the side with an injury Liverpool concede three at home to Fulham who have been a bit more free scoring recently but at the same time it's you know Fulham away at Anfield 
and they concede three goals with their subkeeper, who's that uh, Kelleher. Man City, I, I don't, I just don't remember them going for a long spell without Edison in goal to really comment upon that. And you do wonder if Arteta's created this situation as a way to balance out the risk. You know, it, it he's maybe not even looking at the reward of what Raya can add. He's looking at the risk if one of them is out for any extended period of time. I don't know. But essentially, look, Raya's, Raya's the number one until until otherwise, really. I mean, I, I didn't know we had a goalkeeping problem until we bought David Raya. You know, if it, as a, an Arsenal fan, it wasn't, it just wasn't, nobody was putting forward a goalkeeper as a, a necessary signing in the summer. But whether it was behind the scenes, as well, we said, we, you know, Raya was a, a, a target before. Yeah. He's Spanish. He's, you know, and that, should that really come into it? But it probably does. And we and, weren't desperate to see Leno go. He wasn't top of our kind of must no, shift on no, list. No. Uh, but as I said, Ramsdale was so convincing that we went, oh, yeah, oh, now now I can see. Whereas there just isn't enough in it at the moment. Arteta must have been convinced that Raya would be better. I don't think he would have expected it to be quite so close, should we say. But since Raya came into the team, our defence has been a country mile stronger this is than why, anybody else. This is why our heads are just doing cartwheels, because we can't, we can't square that circle. Okay, I'm going to move on to the second talking point, and this is this is kind of born out of um, heated exchanges between myself and Chris during that first half and at half time. Uh, Chris, you... it was more a flurry of texts from me, and then you just kind of cigar going, puffing <laughs> on a cigar, sending, "Calm down, boy, calm down," and then me just you going were not on happy. Flurry. You were not no. a happy bunny about anything to do with that Arsenal performance, really, at all, which. Um, what annoyed me then was the first 15 minutes we put in in the second half because it kind of just <laughs> it retrospectively just enhanced everything you'd said about the I first know. half but I I, the, I have gone into the specific stats blah 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 I think was your quote on the day um, in relation to stats <laughs> on the first half they had two attempts on goal. We had eight. Both of their attempts on goal were on target. We had six of those eight attempts on target. Okay. We had 64% of the possession. There were two corners each. We had, um, they had 154 passes. We had 274. 86% of those were successful. We controlled that first half. Now, mm. my sense was that we controlled that first half. But Steph, you said something at the start, which was I, I was trying to um, calmly or coolly um, put forward to Chris as as mitigations. That you at some point you have to acknowledge that there are two teams on the pitch, hmm. and the other team. And I said, I think I said to you at the time, Chris. I said to people I was watching the game with. I said, last twenty minutes in this game will be all Arsenal because there's no way Luton can sustain this, hmm. and and that's what's happening more often yeah. with teams against us. All we have to do is sit it, you know, don't concede silly goals. Ride out the storm. Yeah, ride out the storm, absolutely. But we did more than that. We we went in at half-time 2-1 up and we mm. had a, a series. Their goalkeeper made a particularly good save from Martinelli. It was really impressive. And actually, their goalkeeper was very good, Kaminsky. He's a very good keeper. The save he made from Martinelli in particular was r really impressive. Um, mm. I'm not quite sure how he managed to save it in 
to be honest. But so, so the first half, I think we did control the game. So Chris, I'm curious in, you know, mm. now in hindsight, you've had 48 hours. How, how do you see just the first half? I know the first 12 minutes of the second half kind of were definitely, I mean, I said to you, I said, I agree completely now with everything you said about the first half, <laughs> but just for these 12 minutes, we were awful. We started that second half. I don't know. I don't know how we started. Very sloppy. <clears throat> but how, how did you feel about how do you how do you now feel about how our performance first half in particular? I think what riled me was just the moments of trying to play out, and then there'd be a bit of uh, miscontrolling, and it was down to as you said, the other team do tactics. So if they're pressing us, expect to not be able to get your pass off as easily, you know. But that's why the scars come back to me and I say, well, why can't we control it properly? We should be getting over this now. We're not the soft centre. Please tell me we're not the soft centre team anymore. And that's that's why I kind of overreact. Go on, Steph. Well, just in, in the fact, because obviously you're thinking, you know, we're trying to uh, retain possession and play out and then they press us. So the implication being that maybe your passes have to go longer. And it just reminded me that someone said um, that they thought our performance was so awful that we didn't win a header right until the end. <laughs> 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 which you know so whose point sort, is that yeah you know it sort of sums it up but... yeah yeah so but that that was my main uh I mean on reflection of course I've been able to kind of be a bit more logical about it but my I think the reason that I was so angsty was that their their kind of game plan if you like to disrupt us was kind of working to a point but we were largely, as you say, we were largely in control and inverted commas, despite these little moments of, you know, like I said, pressure. The the, the other team is allowed to disrupt us, um, but I didn't like it. <laughs> but it's it's allowed? There were, it, of course it's allowed. And there were a couple, there was a Kivior, and I can't remember which goal it was for, that indirectly led to one of their goals where he gave it away cheaply because of pressure. And th that... Uh, you know, I, I trace it back and I say, well, that moment shouldn't have happened and that therefore that corner shouldn't have happened and they wouldn't have scored that goal. So that's how my mind works as well. I, I'm like an elephant. Never forget. Steph, what, what was it like actually at the game, the first half in particular? Yeah, people were frustrated, you know, because there's an expectation that, that Arsenal can can play a certain way and we have the quality to, to do that. But, you know, but were you worried? Fans, were you worried? We yeah. went in two one two one up at half time. No, we were worried because were you? Yeah, because yeah, they were forcing the issue. We we could see that Luton were up for it, and it, they're just they're those those intangible things and those cliches and those things that come up. You know, I I certainly messaged out quite a lot the fact that Luton is literally the classic tough place to go because it's new, it's small, it's intense. Um, and their their team were going to be organised, committed, aggressive. Is it a rainy Tuesday night in Luton now? Well, exactly. It, it literally was a rainy Tuesday night in Luton. And so it had all those ingredients that, again, narrative-wise, that we're all sort of familiar with. Um, and it was how we're going to deal with it. Now, we all have a different view on where our team is at at the moment because that soft centre is the arsenal of the past. And given that we've now done it, I think I read five times in the last 12 months, scored injury time winners, shows that this is a team that not only have the character to keep going, but also the poise and patience and the skill and the ability to do it. 
You know, right. so and the physicality. Yeah, but at the same time, at half time, even two one up, you felt like the game was in the balance. You 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 just don't know how the the team are going to react. You don't know how Luton are going to come out and approach that the second half. So yeah, we were all we were all worried. I mean, I, at half time, I was I was I was kind of kind of quietly confident, but I was confident of two things. I was confident that Luton would score, and I was also confident that we would score. Mm. Um, I didn't put a, I didn't quantify either of those two, but um, but that 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 was that was yeah as far as I could go on that. Um, <clears throat> on to the third talking point then, um, and the, the ter- third talking point is Havertz. And um, but we'll just rewind a little bit. Luton obviously scored those two goals. Uh, Raya is to blame for both. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, Raya to blame for both. Um, not just him on, on his own because there were other defenders at the corner that could have done better. Uh, Luton did purposely drop their top scorer and play the guy who scored that goal because of his physical uh, dominance in the air and prowess in the air. Four set pieces. I can't remember his name now. Um, and he uh, and it obviously paid off. He obviously he ultimately won, won the header there quite easily and scored the goal. Um, but for me... You're talking about control, Steph, and about how you know the team have that confidence that they will ultimately get their chances and take their chances as the game progresses, because that's what's been happening. Luton scored their goal on the 57th minute. I think they're three-two goal on the in the 57th minute. And for me, the most important goal of the game for us was the next goal was Havertz. Two reasons. One, because it came so soon after Luton went three-two up, and it was a lovely little finish. But you got to have, you know, Jesus was absolutely superb in that game. I know, I know, Declan Rice will get the plaudits, rightly so, for his goal. But for me, the two players of the match was a toss-up between Jesus and Havertz. For me, mm. I thought Havertz was excellent, um, and his goal was really well taken. But the the, the 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 physicality of Jesus and then the finesse of Jesus to put Havertz through and his lovely little finish from that 60th minute mark we had 11 attempts to their one for the remainder of the game <laughs> now it didn't feel like it was inevitable that we would score obviously as the clock ticked on that became less and less the case um, but that's quite interesting so we did completely dominate the game from that from that equalizer on that's how we should have started the game obviously but then Luton are tiring at this point mm. so so that's, that's it can i just talk about Havertz though because we we talked about him last uh, in the last podcast and i said something along the lines of do, do you know what now he's settling into it he might become a far better proponent of the number 8 the left 8 than jacker was because we've been using Jacker as the barometer. So I thought, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of um, research on the stats. Um, in Jacker's last season, which is the season we compare Havertz to, which is unfair as well, just on its own, um, Jacker made 47 appearances and scored nine goals across all competitions. In the Premier League, he made 33, he um, started 33 games and came on a sub in one, and he scored five and assisted seven. So in 33 plus one, he scored five and assisted seven in the Premier League. Um, By comparison, this season, Havertz so far, he's had 15 appearances, but only nine starts. So nine starts and six subs, he's got three goals and one assist. So he's he's in less than a third of the starts. He's got over half the goals. 
and that's obviously as he's developing his kind of um I don't know what do you call it developing his capacity ability with it or his knowledge within that system and the role mm. he's been asked to play I, I I actually think that um Arteta's perseverance with Havertz in this position won't it is already bearing fruit because that was a crucial goal he got a winner against Brentford I'm forgetting about the you know, the charity penalty he got against um, Bournemouth because these two goals have, well, one's given us um, given us two points and yes, uh, this week's one has kind of been the platform we wouldn't have won the game without that. So you could say he's, he's, he's earned us four points in the last two games by turning two draws into, um, into, two, into two wins. And his physicality against that uh, quite aggressive Luton team was really good as well. Uh, so Havertz, so I just wanted—that's my third talking point. Havertz because he's got, he's got a fair bit of stick, but actually I think Arsenal fans now, as one, pretty much love him. And I think the bigger picture is that his overall contribution is greater. You can see that he's more involved. He's kind of got his head up, and you can see there's a confidence about him confidence. now. Yeah. Can I just? point out though that the upturn in Havertz form maybe maybe not coincides with Jesus back in the starting 11 mm-hmm. Steph what's your feelings on Havertz now well it's, it's it is good that you've just mentioned Jesus as well because you asked what the feeling was like on the stands the the one bit of praise that people were offering to our team was Gabriel Jesus you know in the first half he was everywhere and Everyone just appreciated not only the effort he was putting in, but the quality uh, as well, where it where it came off. And like you say, I think, of course, we know his goal scoring rate, you know, could be better. But I think the way he improves the team and the dynamism dynamism that he brings to the team is almost irreplaceable. Um, as for Havertz, I, I, chatting to a couple of guys who were stood behind me who I didn't know at the time, but we were talking about how remarkably similar the goal was that he scored for Luton as well as the one against Lons. And it is that, you know, arriving late in the box, running from slightly deeper and then just nipping in with a with a little nick of a finish. And that sort of pattern is, is, is starting to emerge. Xhaka always felt like he maybe was a little bit wider, um... Than, than that but I'm I'm all for it I think they're just brilliant the other thing that I really loved about Havertz's goal is that um, you know because it was an equalising goal he would have been well within his rights to to go a bit more overboard on the celebration but he didn't he grabbed a ball and he ran back to the centre circle that team Killer. that team wanted to win they yep. didn't they weren't happy with a draw they knew and, and as well I wonder if and again why Arteta was so sort of happy and confident. He knew it wasn't going to be an easy game against Luton, but he also knew that his team could excel in the final part of the game. And as you sort of said, we we did dominate that last period. It felt like that. Of course, we're, we're biting our nails and, and wondering where the goal's going to come from, but we were pressing our advantage. We were camped in their half, at our end where the away end was. And... It was just great to see. I mean, Gabriel Jesus was my man of the match. Easy. Okay, that's a nice little segue you've offered me there, Steph. When was the goal going to come? And from where was the goal going to come? And it, it came, and I've seen so many different um, 
recordings of this at the Talk Sport camera on Jamie O'Hara and Jason Cundy <laughs> is a sight. Jamie O'Hara Listening in particular. Listening to those two absolute weapons ch- talk on the way home in the car. I mean, it was absolutely blooming ridiculous. But even because they were obviously just trying to bait the audience as, as is the mm-hmm. talk sport model. But at, mm. at the same time, they did it from a place with uh, like through gritted teeth, <laughs> you know, because Declan Rice is Declan Rice. He's just bloody brilliant, isn't he? Well, I, I sat in the sitting room. I was obviously sitting forward on the seat, elbows on knees, chin resting on palms as the clock ticked into the ninth, into the sixth minute of the six added on. I think it was the point where the referee was uh, gesturing to the watch. I think they were delaying a throw in. And I turned to my company and I said, I said, this will be late even by our recent standards if we score now. And it was another minute after that. And I was screaming at Erdegaard to put the ball in first. And then I was screaming at Zinchenko to put the ball in and passed it back to Erdegaard. What are these clowns doing they're not realized the whistle's about to go and then it was just a bit of a blur but Steph I obviously it was a case of a scene of limbs in the away end went mental in there so talk us through that briefly but then also give me I your take on on this whole I can't talk you through it words <laughs> can't do it justice I, th- I think we're just going to have to get used to this Nope. And, and I love the psychological no, aspect of no. this. I can't. I've, I can't. I've got, I think, I've got all sorts think, of health problems. I don't need Arsenal to be a third. Me neither. No, and I and I think we can't get used to it because it's not sustainable. We well, can't, it, it's great when it happens. No, but it can't be a model for for your. Well, it's not, but it's a it's a it's a consequence of our model. Manchester United. I I spent far too many years of my life just just sitting there. Waiting, waiting for, for the inevitable. Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what's lovely is Man United fans now, Spurs fans now, Liverpool fans now, City fans now. Let's not talk about Chelsea because they're just hilarious. They're all sitting there crushed or sitting there ex- waiting for the inevitable. That's the good thing about it is that it's it's the mind games that it plays on on all opposition is when they play against us and they're yeah. drawing or winning, they'll just be thinking, oh God, 95th minute, they're going to equalise in a minute uh, or win. That's great, but it's not so good for us as a fan base. No, not at, no, no, not at all, but... It is fun though when it happens. Oh and there was my a God. particularly brilliant shot of um the the goal from from the stands where one of the fans had pushed over the hoardings or been pushed oh, yeah, through the yeah. hoardings and he's lying flat on his face basically. And because he can't sort of cheer with his arms, he's just slapping the turf <laughs> in celebration and there's sort of stewards and players around him. It's wonderful. <laughs> you can't put a price on that. Well, this is the thing. And think about the last twelve months. We did it. Against United, either January or February, and then we had Villa away. We've got Villa away this weekend. Oh my days! Um, we had Bournemouth. We've now uh, had this season. You know, a late goal well, against Southampton Brentford. at home. We Southampton at home. We came back to three three late on, came and then missed three, about three. two or three. Ch- the surprise in that game <sighs> was that we didn't get the winner. Yeah, in the we've had time. we've had the equaliser late against Chelsea two two. Oh, that's the only one I haven't been there for. United, Declan Rice scores in the ninety plus eleventh minute, the hundred and first minute. I mean, it's just 
insane. And like you say, it's terrible for us because it's just ridiculously nervous. And wouldn't we love to have every game, you know, two or three nil up with plenty of time to go? You don't win a league. You don't win a league title without some last minute. Absolutely love the character, and we love the desire of this team and the ability to do it. I think you were saying, you know, watching at home, you couldn't believe that Zinchenko pulled it back to Odegaard. And, you know, at the time, I don't even know what I was thinking. But having since watched it back, it's the perfect pass. Yeah. Because he creates that angle. Yeah. And Odegaard can sweep it in and it's just beautiful. And the calmness to do that. That is a killer, that ball from that inside left or inside right channel where you're not going... If you're further forward and further wide, it's kind of coming across with less of a diagonal kind of hook on it. Or if you're too central and you try and chip it forward, Mm. obviously that's the hardest ball to play is going directly towards the goal because too much pace and it's gone. But that that is so difficult to defend, that inside right or inside left channel kind of whipped-in diagonal. And that angle is easier for Rice... To then just flick on, he has to. He doesn't have to change the direction of the ball nearly as much as if Zinchenko was doing it from the touchline. He's just, yeah, just. just And his desire to get on the end of it. What Mm -hmm. a player! Did you see the? Did you see the GoFundMe page set up? Yeah. (laughs) What for Arteta's fine? No, no, no. No? I I, I sent it to. I sent it to you both. Um, oh, someone, some, Arsenal fans have set up a GoFundMe page to raise £25 million to give to West Ham. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've, under- we've underpaid. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Before we draw close to the, the look back at Luton, I've got a, a Goldbridge golden moment. Do it. This is his commentary of the, the Arsenal winner. He says, that's heartbreak for Luton. That's like coming home and seeing the love of your life wife in bed with your best mate. That's terrible. Unless you're into that sort of thing. There's a category for it. <laughs> that last bit is so partridge. I'm like, well, yeah, it, it was it was okay up until that bit. And I thought, well, he's, where's he going with this? But Can anyway. I offer you my little one from last night? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was after Chelsea had equalised against United. Obviously, Goldbridge being a United fan. I feel like I've just buried my dog and I've come home and I'm chopping onions. I could cry. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> they'll be oh. analysing, in English, we're English teachers, a couple of us here, they'll be analysing <laughs> Goldbridgeisms in years to come. You'll see. A- any final words on the Luton game? No, I'm spent. We won. I'm yeah, ruined. Indeed. Right, OK, we'll take a short break for me to have a coughing fit and... And when we come back, we'll have a look ahead at Villa. Nice, easy game at the weekend. See you in a bit. (laughs) (coughs) Hello and welcome back to part two, where we look ahead to Villa on Saturday. Uh, Before we get into our team selections, a quick snapshot of where Villa are at the moment, but I don't think we need a reminding because they just hammered Man City. They're currently third, 110, drawn two, lost three, scored 34, conceded 12. They got 32 points. They're sitting four points behind us. I was going to look at the last three home games because I know there's a bit of a, they're a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team, home and away. And I stopped because I read a stat that said they've won their last 14 Premier League home games. But can you tell me who was the last team to beat them? We were. Yes. Be us. Lovely little bookend, don't you think? They are better. So are we. 
mm. bit. I was going to say, um, how about this? Um, uh, Raya tends to make more mistakes in away games than he does home. <laughs> I read someone suggest that um, Ramsdale should be the away keeper and yeah. Raya should be the home keeper. I must have read the but, same thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you imagine? Um, okay, Chris, mm. you got the team selection right last time out, as I did. So what's your team for, t- for Saturday? Uh, it's going to be Raya and I'm bringing Zinni back for this one. Can I ask you, if Tomiyasu was fit, would you have played Tomiyasu or Zinchenko at left back? Uh, I probably would have been tempted to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would, yeah. I'm not sure I was that convinced by Kivior in the last game. And when Zinni came on, and I know it was when they were tiring, but our control level just went woof uh, through the roof. Did Leon Bailey start for Villa against Man City? Uh, yes. So you you happy with Zinchenko defending against Leon Bailey? Well, no, I'm not happy with Zinchenko defending generally. But <laughs> look, if they hit us, if they exploit that space behind when he's pushed up in the transition, then we're stuffed against any team. Uh, and you're relying on Gabriel to cover and everyone else to shift over. But we know that. But I'm just going to put him in there because I think if we have... I think it's going to be 50-50 possession-wise. I don't think they're going to boss it like they did City. Um, so I'm going to go with... It. That's the only change, really. I've got White, Saliba, Gabriel Zinchenko, and then the same six, uh, Rice, Odegaard, Havertz, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. Um, just on the Tommy Asso thing, he's out for about six weeks now. Yeah. That's not a, so That's sad. not good. We're very light at the it's back. Really sad. Frustrating for him, for us. Tomiyasu and Partey. Yeah. Long-term timber, you know, and we're top of the league. (laughs) Yeah, but we're we're getting to a point, we're getting to a point where another, another injury to a a defender is Cedric time. We are nearly there, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. Steph, what's your starting 11 for? I've, I've gone for the same team as Chris actually, um, which was um, my same team uh, that I would have started against Luton. So, Zinchenko in for Kivior and um, I'm However, Villa plays such a high line, especially at home. I do wonder about trying to get Trossard in there, in some way. Um, whether I would replace him and Havertz and see where Havertz is towards the end of the game. That, but on the flip side, I've gone with Havertz because I want the midfield battle to be to be won. Um, you know, McGinn and Louise are playing, and is it Kamara, I think, is there mm. in the midfield? Tillemans played against City, didn't he? Did he, yeah. And, T- and Tillemans is a quality player. A player I w- would have liked Arsenal to have gone for at one point. Um, so, I, I mean, I've gone with Havertz for that reason, but I do feel like Trossard could, could play a good, important role as well. Okay. I've got the same back five as you guys. I would have put Tommy Asu at left back had he been available. Yeah, yeah. I've taken your I, I've taken your argument. What you've just said there, Steph. I've taken that. I was th- I had that thought process myself, mm. but a slightly different solution to it. I've actually dropped Havertz to the bench, yeah. and I've brought Jorginho in because I think their midfield is really strong, and I want a bit more control. So I've got Jorginho, Rice, and Erdegaard as my middle middle three. So that's the Man City lineup. When we played Man City, he went with Jorginho and Rice. Chris, what's the score going to be? Hmm. I'm looking forward to these ones. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go two-one Arsenal. 
I was I was feeling a draw, but I want again I want to be positive and um I think we'll nick it two one. I'm I'm looking at Steph's body language here and he's back in it's his seat. He's not as repulsed as he was when I said four nil Luton. Although I did get the four right, it has to be said. Go on, Steph. Um I'm going two two. Ha ha. What I'm I'm laughing because I've written two two down as well. Yeah. That's why I'm laughing. There's there's goals in this game. Villa are yeah. a, a, a beast at home. And I don't know. I feel like it's also one of those games where, and, you know, I always look at the narrative for the weekend. I mean, this is off the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, they've just beaten City. We've just won in injury time against Luton. Everyone was ready with their knives out to, to, to go for us. But we keep going. Then you've got the whole thing of, Emery being their manager um, and obviously people, the narrative from I even listening to well-respected journalists talking about, well, you know, Emery much maligned after his time at Arsenal, but we wonder if he was underrated. No one was really questioning when Arsenal got rid of Emery, but now there's a, it feels like there's a little bit of rewriting of history going on saying, well, maybe Arsenal didn't appreciate him. It's like, well, no, it was going nowhere and Mm. look where we are now with the manager we've ended up with. So, Look, Emery's a great manager. There's no doubt, no denying that. It's just maybe wrong time, wrong place. You know that these things happen. Mm. You got Martinez yeah. to add to the narrative. Martinez, and then Martinez, exactly. So and, it just feels like there's and narrative last all over season. The shop. They'll they'll want to pay us back for last season. Oh God, yeah. Two very late goals there. Oh, calamitous as well. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like they were wronged. It's not like there was a, a bad decision or you know. Yeah, just... but Martinez is—he's oh, a funny one, isn't he? He's got that character. I did see one funny thing. Watkins is a gooner as well, isn't he? Mm, not anymore. I wouldn't have thought. Well, he's a, he's a fan. He's a fan. Yeah, I'd be, he's, he seems like the kind of guy that would carry. They that. dug up an interview of him, and I don't know how long ago it was, where he's—he basically said, "Yeah, I'd love to play for Arsenal." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he was a professional footballer at the time. It wasn't that long ago. He was. Yeah, like his dreams to play for Arsenal, <laughs> and you know we're sniffing around a striker. What better way to put yourself forward than bagging a hat trick against us? <laughs> mm. Yeah, but I, I I fancy that we won't be as meek as City were. I, I felt they were well below par. Not to take too much away from Villa, but I thought City were very below par. So yesterday. here's the thing: I was so tired, having got back late from Luton, then done a a full day and more actually yesterday that I literally just got home, had some food and went to sleep, slept through the whole city game. But, you know, I've listened to a couple of things since. And it, was it really like that? Was it you? Cause one pundit I listened to on, a, on, um, I think it was on five live BBC said that actually one nil flattered city. Oh, they were lucky. I think really? Harland had two attempts on goal in the first like 15, 16 minutes. And that was it. No other mm-hmm. attempt. Wow. The City, a Pep team has never posted poorer stats than that. They really missed Rodri and the creativity of, of, of De Bruyne. But it was like their heart had been ripped out. As an Arsenal fan, you just hope that, um, you know, that was Villa's big effort for the week and that they'll find it really hard to get back up again for us. I mean, yeah, I, we were saying, weren't we, Holly? I said, I'd fancy a draw here just to kind of keep everything on a kind of even kill. And you said, no, no, Villa win. Absolutely. It gives yep. them a full sense of security, of <laughs> confidence. That's how I mm. feel now. I won't feel like Do that you? at 
I'd feel a bit better if had we not put in such a gargantuan effort. <laughs> We've got an extra day's rest. I don't think we did though. Rest? I don't think I don't think we were tested anywhere near as much as Villa were against City. I don't think I think the high was the way we scored. I don't think we the, the stats, the possession stats, we had a lot of control of the ball, especially that last 30 minutes. I don't think we did expend like excess energy and we've had an extra day to recover as well. Well, look, we'll, Steph, you're going to the game, aren't you? So My first time at Villa last year and their fans were pretty good then. Um, this time is going to be in off the, off the chart. It's a, I yeah. mean, Sky Sports are rubbing their hands together that this, this game has come up now. Well, it's funny because we're the new kids on the block in terms of a title challenge. Everybody apart from Arsenal fans will be wanting Villa to beat us on yeah. Saturday. Oh, absolutely! You know, it's 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 just us against the world on Saturday, which is fine. Happy, happy mm. that way. But um, look, looking at the other games of the weekend, we chances are we'll be going into this game second because mm. Liverpool, who are only two points behind us, they travel to Crystal Palace at twelve thirty on Saturday. Can we see anything other than a Liverpool win there? No. Nope. Joel Matip is out for the season. Uh, ACL, another another ACL. 3pm on Saturday, United at home to Bournemouth. I watched the United-Chelsea game last night and um, I, two poorer Mid-table teams. Mid-table scrap. They were so poor. I mean, Mudrick is... But United is, beat all the teams below them. Yeah, Mudrick is barely passable as a footballer. It's so He's so <laughs> poor. When he gets into a position where he's got to make a decision, i.e. shoot, pass... Every single time, gets it wrong. Undercooks it, picks the wrong option. I mean, it's it's how we actually were prepared to drop 70, 80 million pounds on him. I don't know. It's it's bizarre because, you know, largely Edu and Arteta have done well in the scouting department. But that, that was that's an odd one. Maybe he must have a good agent and a good showreel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's been in the country now almost a year playing in this league. So he should be doing... Posting better, well, he should be doing much better than he is. Anyway, United home to Bournemouth. Bournemouth are Bournemouth doing well. Bournemouth are actually doing okay, aren't they? And uh, I'm gonna pray for a draw on that one. But you, you yeah, but United realistically, win. United win. Yeah, no, I'm gonna say draw. Uh, Sunday kickoff, Chelsea away at Everton. Everton, recent victors. Against the tune. Newcastle? I've written a little note alongside this fixture. Is it time for us to knock Chelsea off this list of what our rivals are doing? Or should we keep <laughs> laughing at them? No, uh, keep laughing. Keep laughing. I think. I'm going to go Everton win. 2004, Abramovich came in. Um, so I reckon we're good for another 19 years. <laughs> <laughs> and in a quirk of the fixture list, we travelled mm. to... Villa Park, where City travelled on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and on Sunday, City travelled to Luton. I wanted four things at the start of this week. I wanted us to get all three points against Luton. I wanted Villa to take some points off City and then lose to us. And I wanted then Luton to somehow take points off City. So we're halfway halfway home now, two for two. Any if you see, happen, mate. <laughs> I think mate. I think we've given Luton. I think it's been perfect because we got the three points off Luton, but we've given them huge confidence going into the City game. Yeah. Anyone, anyone see I, drop points for City there? No. I just think they're going to be too much for Luton. And Steph, who do you want to win this one? Spurs v Newcastle. Draw. Oh. Oh. Ah. Oh. 
I can't bring myself to say either. Draw, mate. It's going to be a draw. I mean, draw is the optimum result, but yeah. you know, either one of them is going to lose. I, th- I think Newcastle will win. <laughs> Just on the points, um, Newcastle are on 26 points, so they're 10 points behind us now. And Spurs are on 27 points, so they're nine points behind us. Weren't Spurs like ahead of us in title challenges like two weeks ago? Oh, they were going invincible. Mm. And Ange was the new second coming, the Australian Fergie. Mm. And then Madison got injured and there you go. Right, I'm done. Apart from I've got one any other business item. Have you guys got anything? No. No, you go for it. Okay, so this is from, you may have seen it. This is a tweet from Orbino, and it reads... If Arsenal and City replicate last season's results in their remaining fixtures, we win the league by three points. Mm. We're one down on last season's tally, which is quite interesting because everyone talks about how, you know, relentless we were at the start and how we, you know, set this amazing pace and we're only one point off. I know it's not, they don't do it on the first, he doesn't do it like on the first 15 games. He does it on the actual opponent's. And how we did. So for Luton, he had Southampton away. That was the exchange he made. So we're, we're one point down on last season. But Man City are nine points down in like-for-like games on last season. And they won by five points. So we'd win the league by three points. So, you know, that's that's a happy place, isn't it? Absolutely. The, the swing is the win against City. That's that's huge. Massive. Already. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm yeah. Who who have we got um, after Villa? It's not the it's Brighton, Brighton at home and then Liverpool away. Or with PSV mm-hmm. in between. Yeah, but he will. Yeah. I, with the way we're losing players with injury, I can't. I I really, I can't see anybody who starts against Villa starting at PSV. It's just Cedric. We're just going to send Cedric on a special like. It's, I was going to say it's the Cedric special eleven, yeah. isn't it? The Cedric testimonial. <laughs> he he can choose. Cedric's mum at central midfield. <laughs> His photographer at left back. <laughs> yeah, photographers. It's just yes. it's just going to be Ramsdale in goal, Cedric, and then nine trialists. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going yeah. to have to pick a, a starting eleven for that game. By the way, um, after we have a can't wait to do some research into the youth team. Is what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. Before I'm attacked, overcome, overwhelmed by another coughing fit, um, let's leave it. Let's leave it there. Thanks, guys, and thanks for listening. And uh, enjoy the next couple of days, and we'll reconvene after the Villa Park massacre. Two one. I said two two. Anyway, see you guys soon. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cheerio. <coughs> the North Bank, an Arsenal podcast. Subscribe, rate and review on your app and find us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at NorthBankPod. Email hello at thenorthbankafc.com and check out our website, thenorthbankafc.com. Produced by The Podcast Company. Okay, shall we go? Yeah. (coughs) Bob Fleming. That's him. Bob Fleming. 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 Did I remind you of it? (coughs) You are Bob Fleming. (laughs) That's got it. I don't think it has. <laughs> I haven't got... <coughs> <laughs> I wonder what's going at the end of this. That's the Easter egg. <laughs> That's definitely got it. <laughs> You've got like a spittoon next to you. Oh. <laughs>
Right, let's do this. I can't, I'm going to cough. <laughs>